Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 510 of the milk bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show, uh, we'll be finding out what happened when I had a chat with one of the stars of Dirty Dancing just before the weekend, as the show is at the Grand this week. Also, we'll be finding out about two shows at the Stafford Gatehouse, Marilyn and Showstoppers. They're coming up this week, so make sure you catch those too. We'll have music from the Ollie West Band with Ollie West joining us for a bit of a chat to find out about their single, The Ballad of Richard and Sophie, which features Dean Friedman. That's from their forthcoming album, Time Stood Still. And we'll also take a few more tracks from that as we head through the show as well. But first of all, Club Tropicana, the musical, is at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre from the 29th of April through to the 4th of May. An absolute riot of 80s fun. Talking of 80s fun, I'm joined now on the line by Kate Robbins. Hello. Hello. It is fun. You must come and see it. It is fun. <laughs> this is recreating the 80s. You've got Club Tropicana, which is this uh, hotel. Yeah, you've got, you've got mobile phones the size of bricks. <laughs> and you've got padded shoulders. And you've got lots of people looking like um, Madonna used to look like in the 80s. It's a lot of fun. It's all 80s hits. Everybody knows the songs. Mm-hmm. The story is based around a hotel in Spain. And um, I play a Spanish cleaning lady who turns out to be quite entertaining. (laughs) She's sort of Mrs. Overall meets Manuel out of Faulty Towers, I suppose. (laughs) Um, But we have such a laugh. Everybody knows the song, so everyone starts clapping and joining in, you know. But the choreography is amazing because it's Nick Winston who has done Annie and Fame and um, Rock of Ages. He's just the most amazing choreographer and director. And um, we're just having an absolute ball, you know. It's great. We've got... Amel Barabat, who's in The Sugar Babes, playing mm-hmm. one of our leading ladies. Emily Tierney, she's a West End star. And we've got Neil McDermott, who's in EastEnders. And, of course, the wonderful, the brilliant Joe McEldry, who is the leading man. He plays a very funny entertainment manager of the host. He wears pink shoes and a pink blazer. He's very camp, and it's very funny. But um, we're just having a ball, yeah. Come along. It's very cheesy, and it's very funny. <laughs> but I think, I think the good thing about this is these are all songs that I remember from when I was a kid, uh, and uh, obviously you were very young in the 80s as well. So, yeah. you know, it, it's uh, it, there's some amazing stuff in here. I mean, Books Fizz. We don't hear enough Books Fizz these days, do we? No, and we get to do Making Your Mind Up. It's wonderful. But we've got a nice little twist on that one uh, to do with ripping off the clothes. Well, you'll have to come and see it, but it's it's different. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's not rude. No, no, it's not rude. It's just funny because we reveal the boys in there, sort of. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 leave that there for now. But you have got a, quite an array of, uh, of of young just running around having fun in this hotel in Spain. Yeah, it's absolutely funny as heck. Honestly, I mean, we just we we spend the whole evening just laughing. I mean, it's, it's hard to hard to keep a straight face, really. It's it's very amusing, and uh, people are loving it. You know, we're getting great reviews, and it's just it's just really good fun. I think what it is, it's an antidote to Brexit. It's like <laughs> everyone is so sick to death of listening to all the woes of Brexit, in, out, whatever. And it's just a night where you just sit back and just laugh and join in with the songs, you know. So it's just a celebratory night, really. And are, are the things that remind you of the 80s in all of this? Oh, well, I mean, the 80s was my time, wasn't I? I had my hit record in 1981. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, I was a young girl just starting out really it's funny though you look at all the fashions of the 80s and there's a lot of the stuff being worn today 
jacket and jeans seem to be the same. Okay, the shoulder pads were massive. Mm-hmm. We, we don't have those big shoulder pads anymore. <laughs> but uh, the hair was big. I mean, oh, some of the girls in the in the ensemble, their hair, you know, it's, it's bigger than their costume. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. obviously, you, you had a fair few outfits when you were doing the likes of Eurovision and and, and you know, being being yeah. a pop star in this period. So, yeah. you know, it. You, you should be the one advising them on what they should look like well, as well. I remember wearing a plastic boiler suit and stilettos <laughs> on top of the box. You know, plastic boiler suit and stilettos, whatever next. But you, I'm sure you fitted in with everybody else, even though there were problems with everything being flammable. But, you know, it was good yeah. fun. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Now, have you got a favourite song in this? I think Only You is lovely. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's the uh, Yazoo number. Yep. And it's sung as a ballad. And, oh, Take On Me as well. I like that one. Oh, no, that is uh, an amazing song. And you can do so much with that. I mean, do, do you use the songs to help tell the story as well? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So all the songs yeah. have been carefully selected for this. But you've got stuff like yeah. um, Cindy Lauper's tracks are in there. Oh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. We've got three lovely girls who bounce on. Girls Just Want to Have Fun. They're three girls staying in the hotel. One of them. Her wedding has been cancelled, so they're trying to cheer her up, you know. And they're the girls that just want to have fun, and they sing that, and they've got, like, little tutus on and little leggings, and, yeah, it's very funny. Yeah, it's great. We just hope people come and see it. Well, it's, it sounds like it's going to be an absolute riot of fun. It is at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre, 29th of April through to the 4th of May, Club Tropicana, the musical, and it's going to be amazing, Kate. I know you'll be Aww. fantastic. Um, there's no other way to, to, to look at it. And uh, you bring a, a gang of absolutely mad party animals with you by the sounds of it too. Yeah, we've got a lot of brummies in the cast as well. <laughs> well, we, we, hopefully we'll get a chance to get you all down for a Facebook Live and have a bit of fun yeah. uh, around the show when it's actually at the theatre itself. 01902 yeah. 429212, the box office number, grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets. But for now, Kate Robbins, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. See you. In a moment or two's time, we'll hear from Ollie West of the Ollie West Band. That's ahead of the release of The Ballad of Richard and Sophie. That's out on the 19th of April, and this is the sound of the single. Last time I saw Richard, he was trying to wipe away the tears of a girl he hadn't seen for 15 years. And it felt to me, lost his mind.
lost her mind I heard that when she saw him She said some things to Richard That she now regrets Something that will take him time To forget Lover's eyes But when that girl trip takes its toll It tries to bring her home He just needs to remember That there's no time to change her mind Her natural instincts left her all behind And they just need to keep in time It's hard and you can barely stay in The Ballad of Richard and Sophie. It's the Ollie West Band. It features Dean Friedman. But Ollie West joins me on the line now to tell me more. Hello, sir. Hi, how are we doing? I'm very well. How is it going in your world? Yeah, not too bad. It's lovely and sunny here in Manchester today, so, you know, can't go wrong. You've spent some time up there. You've toured extensively across the UK. But how on earth does that end up with you doing a, a bit of a collaboration with Dean Friedman? So, um, it was a funny story, really, because I've been, uh, been writing this song, and I was in the car with my bandmate, who's... Um, Ashley, who I um, who I have to live with, and we were talking. And I said, "Wouldn't it be great for this new song if uh, Dean Friedman came and sang on it?" And he kind of went, "Yeah, okay, good luck." And I just thought I'd send him an email because he'd listened to our music before and enjoyed it. And so I sent him an email and just said, "If you want to be part of it, um, please feel free." And he was went, "Yeah." Um, he said, and so we kind of squeezed in a two-hour recording session. Um, he came, came to the RNCM and we recorded quickly, and then. Um, now we're here, yeah. That's quite exciting yourself. And, and Dean's over in the UK, isn't he, uh, with some performances later on this year? Yeah, he's touring at the moment. I think he's over in uh, Ireland at the minute. And he comes to the UK in, uh, yeah, in April and does a tour through, yeah, all sorts of places. But you're, you're touring yourself and you're heading uh, around and about the, uh, the, the whole of the UK. You're dotted around somewhere. I think the closest one for us is, uh, is Mansfield in, in uh, Nottinghamshire on the 1st of June. Uh, but uh, with the, the whole sound you have, I mean, how, how does this all work out of your back catalogue of music? We're, we're touring with a kind of uh, eight-piece lineup at the minute. And, uh, I mean, I'm really influenced by a lot of 70s songwriters, people like Billy Joel, Bruce Hornsby... All the rest, that, that's a really big um, influence on our sound. And I guess just wanted to take something on the road that reflects that. So taking the four-piece band and we take a string quartet out on the road and it's a really great show. But yeah. 
with you, the the work that you're doing there, I mean, you you must be getting great reactions to it. I can see that the the, the sound is uh, is, I mean, it's 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 fun as well as everything else, isn't it? Yeah, massively. Yeah, I wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. It's really incredibly enjoying. Yeah. So uh, with the the single release, and got the album, uh, which is coming out at the end of April as well. Yep, album is out on Friday, April twenty sixth. Um, it's available to pre order now on iTunes, and we can pre save on Spotify. And yeah. So what's the biggest performance you've done? Because you, you say you've got this quartet you take out on the road, but you, you've had bigger projects that you've worked on in the past. Yeah, so we had the pleasure of supporting, in 2017, the whole kind of orchestral thing came from the support slot we ended up having for the RNCM Session Orchestra, um, who are a project that the RNCM run. And um, they normally sell out, and it was the RNCM Theatre, about 600 cap, and it was sold out. And we were really fortunate to do the support slot. And I kind of thought, well, if we're going to do it, we might as well go, you know, the whole hog. And so we got six, uh, 16 piece string section and we got BVs and the whole, the whole works. And we did this massive show. And after we did it, I kind of went, well, we can't do, can't do shows really without strings. So the reason we only take a quartet is because it's kind of the, the maximum we can get in two cars. Until you, until you get the boot of an, uh, you know, a state car, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It's all, so we could get in the boot of two cars, and then, um, but we're doing our album launch in Manchester on April the 26th itself, and we've got there's 20 of us performing there, and so I'm really excited about that one. That's another eight-piece string section, five-piece brass and woodwind section, backing vocals, and the whole band percussion. It's going to be a really wonderful night. It sounds like it's going to be jolly good fun. Uh, I've got a copy of the album I've been sneaking listening to, and uh, it is sounding mighty fine. So we're looking forward to the release uh, to the general public as of the 26th of April. With the uh, the single coming out on the 19th, uh, ahead of all of that, it's going to be uh, a big month for you, isn't it? Yeah, massively. Yeah, it's going to be a really going to be a really exciting time. I'm really looking forward to it. So give us all the details where people can find out more. Yes. Yeah, so if you want to find more about us, uh, you can either type in the Ollie West Band into. Uh, Spotify and uh, Apple Music or you can go to our Facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash Ollie West Music and that applies across it's Ollie West Music for our Instagram and our YouTube and we're on Twitter at Ollie West Band so um, go find us and please um, we're doing 16 shows around the UK we're going through Scotland we're going through Wales um, we're coming across the middle of the country or all along the south coast so if we're anywhere near you um, please come <laughs> Yeah, I, I think you're pretty much guaranteed to enjoy it, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's a, it's a really great night of music, and we're nice people, so you know, come down and say hello, and yeah, well, give us a whiz. Well, Ollie, you seem a fantastic fella. Have a great time out on the road, and we look forward to hearing the full album and the reactions to it from the general public as we head through the latter part of this month. Cheers, Jason. Thank you very much. Outside, they won't believe me. Butterflies tear off into the bloodshot evening, and it's ripping through our city, and it's ripping through the cold like a frost that comes with April snow. It's hard to tell, but I think she's weeping. She turns away my bedside, though she's hardly sleeping. And it's cold without a blanket And with no one to hold Even colder if you're not at home And these hearts of gold are moving 
themselves And these chains of silver They can't help you deliver When they're tied to the bones of someone Who left your heart in pieces A long, long time ago Coming album, Time Stood Still from the Ollie West Band. That is Hearts of Gold. Showstoppers, the improvised musical, is at the Stafford Gatehouse on the 4th of April. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Philip Lou. Hello, sir. Hello, hello there. So, come on, what can you tell me about this show? As it's an improvised musical, it is different every single night you perform. Absolutely. Uh, It's entirely based on whatever the audience asks us to do that night. Uh, We have... uh, a 
uh, a frontman character who will ask the audience uh, what it is they would like to see, what sort of subjects they would like for a musical to be based upon, uh, and the audience will vote on which one of those ideas they like. And um, he'll then ask the audience for a number of different musical styles. Uh, he'll then ask the audience to come up with a title, and the audience will then pick their favorite title, and then we will perform that musical for them. And at varying stages during the show, uh, uh, the uh, chair, as we call him, will stop us and say, hmm, I think this might be an opportunity for something else, and ask the audience for another suggestion, and just throw that in to make life difficult for us. <laughs> and, and I think that's probably much, as much as it's all about, really, is making your life hell to make the audience laugh out loud and enjoy a musical theatre experience. Completely. Uh, it's, it's a bespoke show for the audience there that night, and uh, they will find it very funny. It's, it's a great show because you're watching us try to do something virtually impossible. <laughs> so the music itself, though, how improvised is that? Have you got musicians who are sort of on hand to follow your every whim? We have a, a band of three and they are phenomenal uh, performers in that they make up every note uh, they play just as we make up every note we sing. Uh, so they know when to follow or when to lead. They have some idea of the key I'm in, which is more than I often have. <laughs> and and they will coax me into uh, a particular area that they feel is a bit more tuneful than the one I'm actually singing in. <laughs> and it's a question of... Uh, leading and taking, giving and receiving the whole time, a sort of combination of, of, of teamwork, in fact. Well, all this teamwork has been seen in the West End. It has been uh, 11 years or something like that at the Edinburgh Fringe. So you guys are popular wherever you go, aren't you? Yes, the show's actually been extremely successful. We sell out every year. I think we're going up for our 10th year at the Edinburgh Festival now. We're in, the, I think, the biggest venue which we sell out throughout for the entire month, most of the time. We've just done our second run uh, in the West End, which went very well. And uh, we sort of tour, uh, as we're doing on Thursday, to uh, you know around the provinces and to two shows on the road. Uh, we've been to Canada, we've been to New York, we've been in Europe a number of times. We've been down to China, um, Hong Kong, Singapore. And I have to say the show is very popular because it's entirely what the audience wants, you know, and it's refreshing to see absolute creativity happen in front of you. It's really a chance they get to invest in a show. We don't have an expensive set. So when they want to see an aeroplane crash or they want to see the Great Wall of China, we will endeavor to make it for them in front of their eyes using the, the simplest props we have available and ourselves. And therefore, the audience can really jump into that and enjoy it as well. So we know there are three musicians. How many actors, singers and whatever else you would clash yourselves out as on stage? Uh, well, we'll have uh, our character who's called the chair. He's the one who speaks to the audience and gets the suggestion. Then there'll be five uh, actors on stage and the band will be three. And are the band visible as well? Can you see the wooded look on their faces as, as they hit Absolutely. a key change? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. The band are sitting there on the side, glaring at me as I've decided to sing a verse when they were expecting me to sing a chorus. <laughs> or I'm there playing Sondheim and I'm doing Rogers and Hammerstein. Uh, you can see them. Uh, and um, in fact, you can see all of us all the time, basically there, making this thing in front of you. 
Well, it sounds like it's going to be absolutely huge fun. StaffordGatehouseTheatre.co.uk to get your tickets. One night only, half past seven at night. Curtain is up, and you can give the box office a call on 01785 619080. If you want to get your hands on tickets, and you will, get in there quick, though, because, as you said, this sells, doesn't it? It's going to sell out. It does. It does. It sells really well because, you know, you won't see much like this unless you come and see the show, and it will absolutely be the show you want it to be. We will do what you ask us to do. Well, Philip Ballou, one of the cast of The Showstoppers, thank you for joining us and have a, a brilliant show. Break whatever it is necessary to break in the world of improv when you're on stage. <laughs> I will do, as long as it's not wind. <laughs> Time for the tune from the Ollie West Band now. This is Home.
home from the Ollie West Band here on the Milk Bar. With Dirty Dancing at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre from the 1st to the 6th of April, it's going to be an absolute treat on stage. Brilliant songs, a great story, and a, a, a gift that has been given for Mother's Day, Valentine's Day and, and Christmas to uh, a lot of ladies in this world. Uh, one of the stars of the show is Laurie Haley fox who joins me now. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. I trust we find you well. Yes, very well. Thank you very much. And then tying in with the fact that it is Mother's Day uh, at the weekend and the fact that many a mother is going to get tickets given to him for this, it's only appropriate we speak to the mom of the story as well. Oh, well, that's lovely. Thank you. Well, what's, what's it like being mom to baby in uh, Dirty Dancing? Oh, you know, it's really fantastic to be the mom to both baby and to Lisa in the show. They're both very, very different girls, I think. And I think that... Marjorie really feels for Baby and really understands where she's coming from. You know, she was in love, too, and, and had her heart broken. And I think that she's just trying to be there for her, but also to guide her in the right direction. I think she also sticks up for her a bit with her husband, Jake, as well, which is really sweet. Yeah, cause we're set in a very different time. Very different. But equally, there are some great messages for now as well, which is a, a great way of telling a story. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Definitely. When it comes down to uh, parts in this show, I I'm detecting a subtle hint of an accent. I'm thinking that maybe you're not having to put on quite so much of an accent as anybody else. No, I'm very lucky. I was um, born and raised in um, not far, actually, from where Kellerman's is set. But I've lived in the UK now for 24 years. I just never lost my twang. And I became a UK citizen three years ago. Still, I'm still an American at heart, that's for sure. Well, we've, we've adopted you, which is good. I'm glad we've done that. Yes, cause... thank you so much. And I'm very grateful for that. Well, I've, I've seen the tour already a little bit earlier on. And I'm so looking forward to seeing it at the Grand Theatre uh, with it running through for the next week. I absolutely love the Grand. It's one of my favourite theatres to play in the UK. And it's going to sit so well on the stage because this is a brilliant setting, isn't it? And I know everyone's been enthusing about the fact it is the best this has been on tour and it really is though isn't it oh it is it really is favorite parts of being in the show i think my favorite part is the time that i get with baby at the very end when i'm with her in the bedroom and we're having a little bit of a mother-daughter chat and then of course watching time of my life at the end is a real highlight <laughs> and the, the way this adaption has worked i mean we do get to see all around the, all the sites obviously a little bit different to the film, but even so, we, we've still got all those special moments, and it must be great fun seeing the, uh, the the water scenes from behind the stage. Oh, it's very funny. It's very funny, and I think it's definitely a highlight for the audience. I think that, you know, you come in wondering, how are they going to be able to do that? But it's really actually very funny and very sweet how they're able to make that translate onto stage. 
And you've been to so many theatres uh, across the UK, across the globe. Uh, your time on Broadway must have been fun as well. And, and what, what sort of standout things do you think you, you're able to bring to a show like Dirty Dancing from all the experience you've had in the past? I think maybe playing the mom, being able to bring that to the table because of my age, perhaps. <laughs> you're still 21, aren't you? In. I, I am. I just look old for my age. <laughs> um, you know, having done um, Donna as well in Mamma Mia, you know, that was a great mom part mm-hmm. as well. But they're, they're, you know, different in that Marjorie is more of a conservative mom. Um, I also think that I get to be a bit of a mom offstage as well, which I really love, you mm-hmm. know, to be to kind of be mom of the company, which is great. Because yeah, you have got a lot of young cast in this, and that Very I think, it, and that really I think it shows that the the talent of, of these performers who are so tender in years, but doing such a great job of, of their singing, dancing, I and know, acting. Amazing! A lot of them just out of college and fresh and and excited, you know. And that's really great. That's a fantastic energy to be around because you just can't help but absorb that. It's really, really amazing. It's a gift, really, to be honest. And we should probably never ask a mom who her favourite is, but you've got the whole company that is your family. Who's your favourite? Ah, both my girls are my favourites for different reasons. I love the sweetness and honesty of Baby, and I absolutely adore the quirkiness of Lisa. She's just really, really fun. When you come into this, obviously you say you've done lots of absolutely fantastic shows. Um, I think that there's not many parts you haven't played in Mamma Mia. Uh, but uh, <laughs> was there a song you were looking forward to either hearing or performing on in this? Of course, one of my favourites is Time of My Life. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, love that. And She's Like the Wind, unfortunately it isn't sung, but the instrumental of that is played in the scene that I have with Baby. So I really love listening to that every night. Was this a favourite film for you when you were growing up as well? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And it still is. It's one of those films that I can find and put on. And if I'm like pottering around the house, cleaning, or if I'm doing the taxes, it's a great thing to have in the background. And even <laughs> even doing the show, I still love the film. I still love to pop the film on. So, so there's a quote that I'd never thought I'd heard before. Dirty Dancing, the film to do your tax return to. See, there you go. I could start a trend. This could be it. I know. If people want to bring the paperwork and fill it in whilst they're seeing the show during the week, I, 6th of April is the, is the tax day, I suppose. So if, they, if they're in a hurry, they can, they can still sort it all out in time. There you go. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's uh, it, it's going to be uh, well suited to the stage. You love the theatre. I know that most actors who come have a very dear place in the heart for Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre. Oh, it? absolutely. It's a very, very special theatre, and it's always so nice to come back. And it is the uh, the classic story on stage of Dirty Dancing. And the important thing is that that lift. And that must be amazing to see as well from the stage. Oh, it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. And I get a front row seat to see it because I'm right there. But they nail it every night. It's amazing. Well, get your tickets now. Grandtheatre.co.uk 01902 For Dirty Dancing, the first through to the sixth of April at everyone's favourite theatre. Uh, so, Laurie Haley Fox, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. Time for a final tune from the Ellie West Band now. This is We Don't Talk About It here on the Milk Bar. Pounding as you walk into the bar 
You come over to my table Though I'm feeling quite unstable You let me finish as you smoke your cigar
go, your fourth and final tune from the Ollie West Band. All samplers from the album Time Stood Still. They're heading out across the UK, so make sure you catch them if you can. As we said, that Nottinghamshire gig is the closest one to us. Meanwhile, you can find out more www.olliwest.com. O-L-L-I-E west.com. And enjoy more of their fantastic tunes. Marilyn is on stage in the Met Studio at the Stafford Gatehouse on Friday the 5th and Saturday the 6th of April. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Danielle Gearing. Hello. Hello. So, uh, tell us a bit about Marilyn. So, Marilyn is a one-woman show that follows the life of Marilyn Monroe, um, but from her point of view. So, it's kind of like a behind-the-scenes look of Marilyn's life from her perspective um we like to say it's the untold story of her i think when lots of people think about marilyn monroe they think about how she was this sexy sex symbol and they think about her in the white dress happy birthday mr president all those kinds of iconic moments but actually um she was so much more than those things and so our play kind of focuses on that and her private life and the private side of her because very much, I think, from what we see, we see a, a very polished version of Marilyn. Uh, and you get to know the person she wanted you to get to know. But there's obviously a lot more going on. Uh, and you don't just end up as this persona without a lot of work going on behind the scenes to get you to that point in your life. Mm, absolutely. I I think that um, Marilyn Monroe is a character that she created in order to be successful. You know, of all the things that I, I've read about her and all the research I did when I came to write the play, I felt like she was stuck in a certain place in her life and she knew if she wanted to get out and be successful that she would have to become something different to what everybody else was. You know, if you look at pictures of Norma Jean when she was younger, she had long... Um, curly brown hair and she looked quite ordinary and then at 20 years old she cut her hair and she dyed it blonde and she made herself into this very distinctive image and I think she very much did it on purpose to make sure that when people were looking for people to be in films and recruiting people that she stood out against the line of girls that she was up against. And I think the bit that's probably most disappointing is that we never got to see who she would develop into what the next stage of Marilyn would be. I think that's where the fascination with her comes, though, because I get the feeling that lots of people are still fascinated by her because we don't really know who she she was when she was alive. I think we only saw a very small part of who she was. She was actually very intelligent. She had lots of um, intellectual friends. She was an amazing businesswoman, very creative-minded. There was so much more to her than what we actually knew. And I think that's where the fascination comes, is that people think, well, did we really know who she was? And would she have become something else if she hadn't have died? And what really happened to her? And how did she really die? And all those conspiracy theories that goes with it. And so that's why I decided to write the play about her, because I felt like she had a story that wasn't really told. Yeah, when you've done this through Breakthrough Theatre, your company that you founded, and... This is obviously something you must be very passionate about to have done this level of work. This is more than something you're striving for commercial success. I know it is going to be that, but it's really an interest that you are sharing with the audience. Absolutely. I mean, the company was founded off the basis of wanting to explore new writing. Um, And so, you know, I just 
happened to write the play because I was looking for something to focus on while I wasn't in work and it became this, this massive thing and now it's on tour and everything and, and that's amazing but it actually started two years ago as a really small project um, and, and it's developed and I think that's because people love to hear new stories and people want to hear about new things and, and about people from a different perspective and that kind of stuff so that's really why the play came about was to give audiences a, a different view of, of Marilyn Monroe and I think she was the perfect person to focus the play on because she is one of those people that have a very distinctive image in people's memories and actually there's a completely different side to her. And the development of that image and the way in which she was really putting on the makeup to stage a show, you explore because you're sitting in her dressing room as you're telling this tale. So it's very much a case of she's there preparing herself for the world. Yeah, it's a very personal play, I would say. I mean, it's going to, you know, little studio venues around the country. And I, I think it only works in that kind of space because it is a very intimate play you know it's just me on stage for 75 minutes as Marilyn telling her story um, and she's talking directly to the audience about highs in her life and lows and she's being very honest and raw and it's, it's her at her most genuine I feel and so it is that kind of special um, relationship that you're trying to build with the audience and so that's why I feel like those kinds of venues are perfect for it. It's just a very personal perspective of her. And what transformation have you put yourself through to be able to play this part? Well, um, I have a wig that I wear that's made by a lovely woman who makes wigs for the RSC. Mm -hmm. So I'm very lucky to have a, a lovely little wig made for me. I obviously put on the classic makeup, the eyeliner, the red lipstick, the little dimple. But her costumes, I don't think are as elaborate as people would think. We've obviously got the white dress. We have to have the white dress in it. Um, but it's, for most of the play, she spends it in kind of like a white underslip and a, a pink dressing gown because it is just her sat, relaxed, telling people about herself. So I didn't want it to feel too over the top with her just sat in lots of like glamorous clothes. Um, and then sort of emotionally, there's, there was lots of prep for that because she was a very tortured soul. When you start digging underneath her, she was abused as a child. She was in a mental institution um, not long before her death. She went through enormous amounts of therapy. There was lots and lots of trauma in her life and there was lots of relationships that weren't built since she didn't know who her dad was and lots of fascinating things about her. Um, and so lots of that is explored in the play. And so, um, again, that was an aspect I really had to get to grips with and, and throw myself into. And what uh, support have you had behind the scenes uh, with making sure that this is as factory accurate as it can be? Because there's still that layer of mystery. There were probably many things that were out there that, that weren't necessarily true, but were all part of the persona and the, and the way she was perceived. Yeah, I think when you do something like a play, you do have dramatic license slightly as stuff that you don't really get when you're writing something that's a bit more factual so you know I think people give you leeway in that kind of sense but I did try and research you know really thoroughly and I read lots and lots of books I listened to lots of interviews of her talking um there's a really personal interview that she gave that's actually called her last interview and it's the last interview she gave to life magazine and it's just her sat with this reporter talking about her career and her life and how she felt at that stage and that was kind of where lots of the inspiration for stuff came from because i felt like it was the most truthful version of her there's also lots of tapes of her therapy sessions that you can listen to and things like that so lots of stuff came from that 
And then there's lots and lots of biographies about her. So it was kind of the challenge was to read all of that stuff and then pick out the stuff that I thought was matched what I found out about her, basically. It's going to be loved by fans of Marilyn Monroe and anybody who's ever seen one of her films has to be a fan of Marilyn Monroe, but also historians and so anybody who likes to know the tales of people. It's kind of people watching in the nth degree, isn't it? You get to do that as, as you're part of that audience. Completely, and I think that's the most wonderful thing about doing it around the country and going to all these different places with a variety of audiences is because you get people who come who are massive Marilyn fans and who have loved her and watched her films and all of that, and they come along for that. And then you get people who come along who don't really know that much about her, and both types of audiences really enjoy the play because, in a sense, the play could be about anybody because it's just a girl sat in her dressing room talking about her life, um, which is what I think makes it so unique. Um, and, and people who are massive Marilyn fans come and enjoy it because they feel like it gives a really truthful version of her and it, it does her justice. And then people who come who don't know anything about her really enjoy it because they manage to learn stuff that they didn't know anything about. Well, it is on stage in the Met at Stafford Gatehouse Theatre, Friday the 5th and Saturday the 6th of April. It is Danielle J. Gearing on behalf of Breakthrough Theatre playing Marilyn. StaffordGatehouseTheatre.co.uk to get your tickets, or you can call the box office on 01785 619080. That's 01785 619080. But for now, Danielle, thank you for having a chat with us. Thank you for having me on. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us back with episode 511. Next week, I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.